kicking out the house. Oh. All the, the video cameras didn't count that when I went three, two. They didn't see your finger moving. They didn't moving. see my fingers no. moving. Oh, man. Which is probably a good thing because you never know where that finger's been. Oh. No rest for the wicked. Okay. 2017 California application breakdown. That's it. When in doubt, get a tag, go whack something. Shall we? We shall. Outdoors podcast propelled by Ripcord Arrow Rests. At RNA, we are a public land DIY conservationists that love to share our passion for the outdoors. So join us and our team as we speak with experts in the industry to share insight knowledge that helps make hunters and anglers more successful. Reporting out from the world headquarters of the RNA Outdoors podcast, we're coming to you from the house of the RNA Outdoors, and I'm sitting here right now um, in the middle of May, and credit cards are starting to get hit for a particular state, Utah. I know. I came over here. I actually... Dialed the phone number. I was hoping I was going to do the little happy dance, and of course, somebody's it, got max points. Yeah, come on, baby. Talk Idaho to sheep me. just came out. Colorado's going to be coming out. Nevada's coming out. And the, the beauty of those states coming out is, is we'll actually be able to hopefully plan our fall oh my based gosh. on based <laughs> on those states because we got a lot vested in, in those states. You have a lot more than I do, but well, I heard somebody say on an earlier podcast. Um, from one of our good friends, they were like, well, you know, I kind of started doing this a few years ago. Well, you know, I kind of started doing this a few years ago. Yep. Yep. So, And those fruits of your labor should be uh, coming to you in really good quality tags. That's the hope. That's the hope. That's the hope. But All right. So kind of before we dig into our, our script this afternoon, I do want to just talk about our, our sponsor, which is Ripcord Arrow Rest. Again, this podcast uh, couldn't be done without Ripcord Arrow Rest. They are the number one bow hunters fall away rest on the market. And as I've said in the past, uh, you know, Dillon, Montana is a small little town in southwest Montana. Not a lot going on there, but they are the home base for, for Ripcord. Um, and uh, they've just been really good to us. And uh Keith and Kevin and that group and, and Dylan have put out some really good products and we're just happy to use their brand, put it on our podcast and, uh, you know, be one of our, our sponsors, our title sponsor for our, for our show. So anyway, you can find them at ripcordarrowrest.com. They've got all their social media feeds as well out there. Um, just type in ripcord arrest and, and you'll find them. So this evening we've got our breakdown of the California application. So I'm sitting here with uh, a familiar voice who's been on a few of the podcasts who did the uh, Western Hunting Expo tour uh, with us. And uh, 
was actually showcased on uh, one of our first podcasts and, and also a hunt that we did in California we're going to talk about. So I want to welcome uh, Jason Quick from the NRA back to the RNA Outdoors podcast. Bam! Get you some of that. It's actually almost, it's, it's hard introducing you because it's Jason <laughs> from the NRA on the RNA Outdoors podcast. It's, we've got to be careful with that. Yeah, you know, what can I say? NRA all the way, baby. So 2017 is upon us, and we're looking at California. Uh, the deadline is actually June 2nd, so we're about two and a half weeks out from having our applications in. The beauty of having a June application deadline is, is most of the states that we apply in, we should know for the most part where, you know, what tags we're going to draw, which will kind of help align us and where we want to draw specifically for California. And as we go through the different species this evening, you'll see um, the dates are all over the place. I mean, you've got deer dates that start in August and you've got deer hunts that end in December. So uh, it's important that you try to line out a lot of your fall um, so you know what tags you have so you can apply in California accordingly. So the other cool thing about the California draw is, is when you apply in June 2nd, typically what, within a week to two weeks, you know... They're fast. Yeah. California doesn't mess around. You put your stuff in. Two weeks later, you you have an answer. You can start planning the rest of your season without having to dink around with somebody that grabs your money and holds it for three months and then tells you that maybe you got it or maybe you didn't. Yeah, I mean, and, and you think about some states like Utah. When did we apply in Utah? <laughs> like, I'm trying to remember back, was it February? February? <laughs> and we're just finding out. Colorado was March. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you start applying in these states, and, you know, some of them hold up your money for, for quite a few months. So it's I, nice to know when you apply. I think I just got my New Mexico money back. Oh, did you? I believe when I was calling on the credit card thing, okay. they said I actually had a credit on my credit card, which was kind of strange. You yeah, know? that must have been that, like Ibex, that yeah. $1,100, $1,200 Ibex tag. and Yep. Okay, so um, kind of what we're going to do uh, is when we go through our breakdown of the California application, um, we're going to kind of talk through some of the general license fee schedules. We're going to talk about um, you know some of the restrictions in California around uh, you know some of the ammunition um, that can be allotted and used. We're going to talk a little bit about the preference point system, and then we're going to break down each species. Specifically, uh, we'll start with bighorn sheep, and we'll kind of talk through. Uh, you know, the nine hunting units for, for bighorn sheep in California. Then we'll go to, to uh, elk, which, you know, California is the only state um, that provides all three species of elk uh, in the only state uh, that has tule elk, which is kind of cool. So those that want to shoot their and elk have to have to make their way through California to do that. Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll go through the deer um, application, which uh, is pretty... Uh, you know, I would say pretty invasive because there's a lot of different units. There's a there's premium, there's restricted, unrestricted units. Um, you know, again, the the season, the archery season starts in July for like the A zone tags, and they go all the way through December for the G units. So, um, deer is is pretty technical, but we'll get into that, and then we'll just touch briefly on pronghorn and some of the other opportunities that California has. But you know, just to kind of kick it off, Jason, it's incredible. You know, when people think of hunting in California, you know, that one, those two words typically don't go together, but there is a ton of opportunities and species in California to hunt. Most people, which I'm okay, don't know about that, right? Well, it's it's actually silly 
I mean, most people don't realize we have phenomenal bear hunting in California. And on top of that, our hog hunting is really good. Now, we've been in a drought in our area that we're in right now, so the hog hunting hasn't been as um, as great, I would say, as in the past. But, you know, we had an opportunity this, this last few weeks to kill a yep. few hogs, and um, let me tell you, you know, we're expecting, because of the good rains that we had the last couple of years, that, that we're really going to have, for the next probably four or five years, we're going to have lots of hogs. Yeah. And, man. We're starting to see that. I mean, We barbecued some puck. of that hog right up, didn't yeah, we? Was that, that was, not fantastic? That was incredible. That, wow. That tenderloin and that brisket was incredible. So, yeah, the 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 pigs, and we'll talk a little bit about pigs, but, yeah, I mean, it, there, there's a ton of opportunity, which brings up a good point. I mean, if you were to draw you know, haphazardly, if you're a non-resident, draw a tag, you're already spending the $164 on a non-resident license. You might as well consider some of the over-the-counter, you know, hunts that we provide, you know, throughout the year, pigs, and then, you know, bears, bear season starts in August, goes through the end of the year. So. Well, and, and getting back to that, I mean, like you said, if you were coming out here to go on a Thule elk hunt and you were spending the money for the Thule elk hunt, I mean, going for a black-tailed deer, I mean, once again, that's another species that's pretty pretty hard to get a lot of places i mean you could buy an over-the-counter tag literally and go and when you do that you could buy a bear tag too you know and on top of that you could buy a pig tag i mean literally you could you could multi-species hunt it's almost like bc you you know get a tag well now you can well maybe i want to shoot that i'll get another tag for that too on top of that bobcat and numerous other things so there's even a there's a fall turkey season too so yeah and again there's a lot of things that we're not going to cover of other different upland bird and other things that are are, you know have opportunities in this state so california is a great state and you know just speaking for non-residents if you're a non-resident looking at california okay yeah so the license fee is 164 dollars but when i look at it when i apply in idaho and if you apply in oregon uh, and if you apply, uh, you know, in some of these states where Arizona, the, yeah, Arizona, where, where a lot of these, um, you know, the license fees can be anywhere from 60 bucks to 164 bucks. The actual um, the the actual fees for applying for elk, pronghorn uh, and bighorn sheep are like eight dollars to apply for the tag right yeah. now. If you draw it, you know, clearly the, the price of the tag, uh, but even the price of the tags for most of the premium hunts in California is pretty reasonable compared to what you would pay in a New Mexico or in an Idaho uh, for some of those species. But it's almost a no-brainer. If you're applying, you need to apply for, for you know, at least elk and bighorn sheep for another eight bucks an application. I mean, a- that's a no-brainer. Absolutely. I mean, when you're spending the 164, it's no different than when we apply in Nevada or Arizona or, or Oregon. You know, I mean, you have to buy that expensive hunting license. It's only you know, 10 bucks to put your name in the hat on the other stuff. I mean, now for the people that haven't been applying here for a while, of course, we'll get into the reality of trying to draw like a sheep tag. That's really tough. As well as an antelope tag. That's really tough. Yeah. But we're, we're on that precipice, in my opinion, on the elk in California, where, man, elk hunting is going to just boom. Yeah. Well, it's only a matter matter of time before they're going to have to increase the number of elk tags, and we're going to see some really good stuff coming around. Yeah, I mean, there's 23 units to hunt elk in, in in the state of California, and I mean, we just see in the local units we're in, 
you know, offering six to eight bull tags in a season, including archery, muzzleloader, and rifle. And we're glassing fields of bulls with, you know, 50, 60 elk. And I'm, you know, 50, 60 bull elk. Yeah, I mean, bull elk, not elk, no. just bull elk. So we're going to yeah, clarify there. Exactly. So, you know, eventually these elk could potentially be start doing some damage to a lot of these farms and ranches and places that they thrive. So, um, Another opportunity in California, so if you're applying, so if you're going through the process and you're, you're going to, you know, buy the license, you're going to apply for, let's say, elk and bighorn sheep, there's also the fundraising random tag options, which is pretty cool. Um, one of them being the open zone deer tag, which last year, I think we found that the open zone deer tag actually ended up being in the Goodell unit that we were hunting in, uh, which the open deer, the open zone deer tag allows the hunter to hunt basically um, during an, any authorized season of any hunt um, in any specific method, uh, which would meet those conditions of that tag. So they can basically start hunting in August and they can end hunting in December and they can basically hunt any unit in the state, correct? Absolutely. And, and you know, once again, to put your name in a random draw, okay, so if you wanted to put in for the tag, it's $8.13, right? But if, if you want to throw your name in the hat, on a raffle tag, it's $5.97. Now, where do they get these numbers? I have no idea. I'm an even number guy. Mm-hmm. Somebody came up with a mathematical equation that came up with $5.97. But if you're applying here already, throwing an extra $24 to put in for an open zone deer tag, an Owens Valley elk tag, a Northeast pronghorn tag, and a sheep tag for 24 bucks. I mean, what state does that? I don't even know of any state. Well, I guess when we went, you have to go to the show Utah, yep. in Utah you get to, the $5 to get the $5 tags, tags yep. but, uh, but you have to go there. This is, you could just add, add $24 onto your mix, yep. and you're not limited on those two. I mean, you could buy more. I mean, the first year they went to the sheep tag, I, I have to admit, I uh, threw a 1000 bucks at it just mm-hmm. because I was trying to trying to get that sheep tag thought the first year would be the best odds but guess what i donated my money to the to the fishing game association what can you say yeah which goes to a noble cause anyway yeah exactly exactly it goes back to conservation now did you mention that the deadline is june 2nd i did i did say june 2nd is our deadline for was that California. when i wasn't paying attention to you when you said that yeah i think you were you were reading or I, doing something i get i get sidetracked very yeah. easily squirrel Sorry. No, that's you. But looking at some of the fundraising opportunities, I mean, you know, we're going to talk about the marbles and the the clipper units, South Bristol for sheep. Some great rams come out of those units, right? And the the dates are are phenomenal. The Owens Valley Thule elk tag, I mean, we saw that firsthand. Some of the elk, even in December, that made it through, you know, the the archery and the rifle seasons that weren't broke off. There were some decent bulls in those groups. You know, I mean, I mean, we're going to talk about Thule elk, and, you know, I was lucky enough to kill one already, but boy, oh boy, they are a really specialized animal, and that Thule elk raffle tag, in my opinion, is way underrated. I mean, for six bucks, come yeah. on. I mean, I put my, since I already got one, I actually don't buy one for myself, but I do for each one of my kids, because, you know, they're starting out now, they have very few points and I think actually the odds of them, you know, winning a raffle tag is probably just as good as them drawing one sure. in the next 10 years. So. Yeah. Um, 
kind of switching gears. So we, we've talked about kind of the license, the fees, the deadline, June 2nd. Um, and we've talked a little bit about some of the fundraising random tags. California is a state unlike any other state that has some restrictions on the type of ammunition that can be used. So roughly, you know, 10 years ago, there was a large study done that found uh, basically on the central part of the state, central coast part of the state, that our our population of California condors had been decreasing to a level that was almost extinct. I think it was down in less than like sing, in the single digit range of California condors. Well, one of the things that they had identified was, is that a lot of the hunts that were happening in those ranges or areas, you know, wounding animals, the condors were feeding on the animals that were not um, harvested or at least not successfully found. The condors were getting lead poisoning and they were dying. Okay. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure the biologist that, that did that survey and I'm not uh, sure if he's he still is, around, but whatever. He was definitely not a hunter. I could tell you that no. much. But, you know, that happened in, in 2015 where the phase one went into approach where basically non-lead ammunition was required um, specifically uh, in, in bighorn sheep populations and also in a, lar- in a large part of our central coast. So, you know, both of all of region A, which starts, um, you know, basically at like San Jose and it goes all the way south to like Ventura is, is zone A. So that whole area uh, became a non-lead hunting ammunition, um, you know, requirement, which was a shift for all of us because, I mean, for years, you know, you throw lead, we, you know, that's, that's the terminology, right? Throwing lead down range. Well, now it's throwing copper down range. Well, and, and I mean, I was involved because of the NRA and a lot of that um, lead band. And of course, a lot of their stuff that they that they touted and all their studies that they did, we basically were able to refute and come in at it at different ways. I mean, no different than they had captive condors, and the condor was literally eating the paint off the wall. Yeah. And surprise, surprise, that paint was there for forty five years, and it had lead, had in, lead it. in it. Yeah. And they're like, oh no, it was definitely lead from from bullets that caused this. There's a lot of really sketchy stuff that happened there, but, you know, I mean, that's a whole podcast on its, it on its own, and it doesn't really matter because they signed it into law, and it doesn't matter what we think. Now, looking at copper bullets, I actually like copper bullets, you know. I've hunted quite a few places and that you hunt dangerous games. Copper bullets are fantastic, mm-hmm. you know. Um do I like them for long range shooting? Probably not. Yeah. But uh, for close range stuff, you know, if you yeah. ever get into a situation, and actually we were pig hunting just the other day, man, we were going through some tall grass and stuff. And I was thinking, man, I'm glad I'm shooting copper because I'm shooting really close. I mean, if, if that hog jumps up and charges, which they do do that all the time, you want something that goes through stuff straight and hits your mark. So yeah. Yeah. I love, I love the copper bullets that are out there i mean it, they've made some great great yeah. leaps and bounds but that's california now so everybody needs to be prepared if you're going to hunt california and especially if you're thinking long term because in 19 this whole state's going to be that way july 1 I mean, of 19 you can't you can't go blacktail deer hunting right now you can still go blacktail deer hunting and actually you know we could use lead bullets in a lot of the hunting zones mm-hmm. um for deer and for elk and for antelope at this point, yep. you cannot for bighorn sheep, and you can't in the geographical areas that you were talking about, Lucas. You can't in that that really funky yep. U-shaped 
zone. I always loved looking at the map because, of course, you know condors see that map, right, when they're flying, and they see that big old line, Mm -hmm. and they do not fly over that line. So it's like they go next to it, and then they're like, oh, no. That's the lead zone. We got to turn around and go back. We got to the, stay in the lead zone. Yeah, got to stay out of the lead zone. I think it's funny because that U-turn goes all the way into the western part of the Sierras, and there is no condors in the west, like the D units. Well, and right? and and I'm going to digress just a little bit. Growing up right on the Oregon California border, my my dad sent me an article just a couple of years ago when all this was going on, and he goes, "You're not going to believe this, son, but they've brought condors." all the way up to the Oregon border. And I'm like, that is ridiculous. And he goes, we've never had condors in this area, Mm. ever. No record of them anywhere. But what they were doing is they're trying to spread them out, get them in more places. And then, of course, us gun-loving people speculate that they're doing that to expand the the all-copper zone. So yeah, anyway. there's a method to that madness. So we digress to California bad standards. So yeah. let's move on before we get mad. Yep. So anyway, just to kind of rehash that. So um, you know, in 15 we went partial statewide, and 16 it went upland birdwide, and in July 1 of 2019, which is the phase three uh, of the non-lead ammunition, um, you know, statewide ban will go all the way across California. So. Again, it's it's one of those things that, you know, it's something that we have to live with. And you're right. I mean, Barnes has made a great copper bullet. Now you're seeing Nosler, you're seeing Hornady making them now that yeah, they're absolutely. doing some they're doing some great things with that with that with Here, those I was rounds. Gonna say, so, are you gonna call Barnes and see if we can get sponsored or something? I mean, come no, on. I, I wasn't, but after that uh, pig that Wyatt shot with that TSX, I think, or, well, was, was, or yeah. was it a TSX? Yep. That was pretty impressive. So pretty smackdown on that one, wasn't it? That was cool. So uh, California is it is a preference point state. So um, you know, in in the way that the state is is designed, it's it's similar to states that have kind of what we consider like a modified preference points process. So um, when you look at for residents as an example, um, you know, in twenty seventeen. Um, California is predicting that max points is sitting at 15. So if you've been applying, uh, basically since the draw process started in California, you'll be sitting uh, as a max point holder. And you go into that portion of the draw. So there's two portions of the draw. There's the, the max point tag quota, and then there's a random draw by that choice. So that's why we consider it a true preference with, a, with basically the modification with the random. So an example would be for deer... Um, 90% of the quota goes to the max points, 10% goes into a random draw. So one example, the, the golden you know example that we use is, is the Goodale G3 unit, right? There's 35 tags in that unit awarded. So 90% of those tags, which would be 31, go into the max point uh, pool. The other four go into the 10% random pool. A unit like G39, which we're going to talk about, um, uh, which has, uh, you know, kind of worked its way up as one of the more, um, you know, trophy class units Absolutely. only has five tags. So in that case, if there's a unit that has less than 10 tags, one goes into that random pool and four, uh, go, uh, to that max point pool. So, you know, speaking of max points and, and Jason, you can, you can kind of speak to this. I mean, you were applying in California before they had a point system and then, of course, you drew uh, on a max point tag uh, last year on your on your G three hunt. Yeah, uh, but 
it's almost like in these in these premium units you have to be a max point holder to draw those tags because I think we were looking and yeah. we'll talk about it in in the in the reports it was all max point holders that got those tags right you know I mean when you're talking about 35 tags and it's inherently been known as the the better hunt in the whole state um, yeah really there's still quite a few people that are holding out even though when you start looking at some of these other stats that we were talking about, it was pretty amazing watching some people go, you know what, I've been waiting 14 years to draw a tag. That's it. I'm, I'm changing gears. I'm moving on to uh, an easier draw hunt because they're looking at it going, God, the reports are coming in that people really aren't killing, you know, a 30-inch buck around every corner. Been waiting 14, 15 years. That's it. Dumping my points. Yep. I'm going to go hunt somewhere. And then I'm going to try to get another tag in the next three or four years that's going to be just a fun hunt, you know, yeah. I mean, which you and I have been talking about that quite a bit. Yep. Which so. is, you know, we'll talk a little bit about our strategy, but, you know, I'm 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 kind of in no man's land with deer points. Jason drew last year, so we're looking at, you know, based on the points we could put in together and, and, and kind of getting into our next segue is around party applications. So in the state of California, um, for deer specifically – um, you can have a max number party of six for deer. So, um, you know, if we had a bunch of guys that were, you know, in the eight to 10 point range and I've got my six points, you will have your one going into this year. You take all those, add them up and divide them by the number of applicants. You know, you've got some good opportunities to draw some some pretty good, decent mid-tier units in the state of California. Um, bighorn sheep, and we'll talk about this later, but there is no party application for bighorn sheep. Um, you can only apply um, as yourself or as a solo. Uh, and then elk, I believe there is a party application uh, and also pronghorn, but I believe you yeah. can only put in, I think two people two can people. put in for, for party applications um, for uh, elk, for all species of elk and pronghorn. So, And it's good to note too, like on bighorn sheep, if you've got a youth, which I've got kids right now, so I'm 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 looking at them applying. Um, my 13 year old is really miffed right now because he's not allowed to apply for bighorn sheep. He has to be 16, but uh, it's only 12 years old for for elk. So he's he's happier about that. But you know, if you've got kids that you're thinking about long term strategies, those those are things that you really need to be paying attention to because. You know, it, it's going to take a few years to be able to get them into a position to to actually hit a good tag, mm-hmm. and you got to get them some points to 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 get them jumped off the right yep. way. So, so yeah, so <clears throat> I guess as we're talking about you know bighorn sheep, I think um, you know that's probably one of the more coveted tags uh, based on you know tag allocations and quotas in the state of California. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about kind of the bighorn sheep, um, you know, application process. And, um, you know, we'll probably be speaking more on the lines uh, of, you know, from a resident standpoint, but we'll touch a little bit on um, some of the non-resident opportunities that are out there. Pretty limited, uh, but we don't want to, uh, you know, not talk about that because there is still a, an opportunity for those that are non-resident. So in the actual general pool, um, 90% of the bighorn sheep tags go to residents and 10% go to the non-residents. So out the gate, you know, if you're applying out of state, uh, and, and we're going to talk to it, but most of these units, tag quotas are, you know, three to four to two at most, you know, at, I mean, four at most in, in most units. Well, we have under tag allocations. California is very conservative, very conservative. Rephrase. 
When it comes to tag allocations, California is very conservative. I'm a conservative Californian, by There's the way. There's a lot of sheep, though. But uh, when we, we talk about sheep. sheep, I mean, some of these units have a boatload of sheep, okay? Um, and when you see that they're going to give four tags away in an area, you go, man, pretty much everybody that draws one of those tags is going to shoot a 160-class sheep. Yeah. Now, are they going to be a super bomber? Probably not. We do have a couple of units that that have potential of of putting out some really fantastic rams, but there's good sheep everywhere. I mean, when we were on that Goodale hunt, and they're not that's not there's not even a tag in that area, dude. That one ram that ran across in the viewfinder, yep. I, I know why you got distracted. Now, I mean, it was like I was trying to get you to refocus, and as after, the sheep are running below the deer, yeah, um, all of a sudden I'm like, incredible. we're not sheep hunting, dude. Come on, but yeah. Just going over, just going over the sheep tags in general. Okay, um, being a maximum point holder, it's still a long draw. I mean, we're gonna let's talk about the zone number one since that's basically on top priority. Yeah. Um, you know, there was twenty four hundred and fifty four people that actually applied for three tags last year. Now, the cool thing is they're actually going to move it up. There's going to be four tags this year. Hundred success, hundred percent. Yeah. In other words. Everybody killed a sheep. In fact, actually, out of all the sheep tags that were issued last year, there was only one, one. tag that was, it, not it was not filled. fulfilled. Yeah, and I'm making that's pretty a, incredible. I'm going to make a wild guess because of that particular unit. That's a really high elevation unit. I'm guessing that's probably somebody that had my somebody that had max points was probably like my dad's age. You know, maybe yeah. seventy. And drew that tag and went up there and realized, holy cow. Yeah. Hunting at 11,000 feet is not like hunting at sea level. Or higher. But you bring up a good point. So the marbles uh, is that zone one. And there was 173-inch ram harvested in that unit last year, right? Yeah. And then I think the other couple rams were in the one, you know, 155 to 165 range. So who would not take, you know, a California, you know, bighorn sheep in that caliber? 173-inch ram, that's a great ram, you oh, know? absolutely. I mean, come on. I mean, we're... What, 162 is book? I think over, is it 160 or 162? I I thought it was 162. Maybe it's 160, but I I know that pretty much everybody's mental mental thing is you're looking for a 160 class ram, and when you find a 160 class ram, you know, come on, how many people have killed a desert sheep? Not very many. Not many. Pretty hard if a 160 ram runs out in front of you and you've never killed one before, and you look at it and think... Mm, thinking I'm going to whack this thing. Yep. You know? So so just kind of speaking to the first three zones, zone one, two, and three, um, they all are a late December or mid-December to February hunt. So they actually extend into the 2018 season. So the cool thing is, is you got a couple months to hunt these sheep uh, in California um, specifically. And in looking at, you know, the tag allocations for the first three zones, um, actually zone two, I believe this year, they're not actually allocating any tags or at least have not proposed any tags, um, for the Kelso mountains. Uh, but zone three, uh, which is the Clark Kingston range, it looks like they've got two allocated, um, for, for, uh, for 2017. And I think those mountains, the Kelsos actually sit kind of in that Baker area, kind of over in the in the uh, actually getting close to Nevada section, just uh, near the uh, um, that Kelso range as well, which is would be east of that uh, Barstow Baker area. They so. had mentioned a pneumonia breakout over in that geographical area, and 
And so from what I understand is the sheep population um, has kind of taken a plummet there. So they're going to, they're going to let it rebuild a little bit, but you know, skipping on when you start looking at four five and six, Oh yeah. You know, we're talking, um, these four are and, primo four units. and five, um, are considered probably the best two units. And for those people that are non-residents that are actually going to go for California, so you're going to buy the license. Uh, I mean, here's the insider trading information. There's only one tag for the Oracopias, probably one of the best units, and there's only one tag. So if there's only one tag... It's not going to a non-resident, more it, than likely. It's not going to a non-resident, but at the same time, it's going to be on the random draw. So, like, for a guy like me that's got max points, I won't apply for that one tag because I'm going to go for something that has two tags or more because I know I'm going to guarantee the non or the preference point pool. The max point pool, yeah. So, for somebody that doesn't have max points, you know, a one tag draw could be very, very enticing. But numbers-wise, let's see what it was, 775 People yeah, applied for one tag. For one tag. So yeah. that's a pretty that's a pretty steep number. But but when you talk like zone five, which is, you know, the Gorgonio wilderness, which is, you know, down near kinda of in that Palm Desert area. Yep. That's a that's a trophy class unit, right? I mean, that's always been managed uh, at a at a trophy class level. Well John McGannon, who was on one of your earlier podcasts with us, he that's where he killed his sheep and boy. Yeah. That was a dandy. It well, was a the last two rams gorgeous. harvested out of there were 173 and 171. So yeah. with the potential of a 180-class ram, along with, you know, oracopias, um, the ram harvested last year was 178 out of the oracopia. So Now, Zone 5, people have to aware, that is, that is there's a big bunch of wilderness. So a lot of people actually hunt that zone. Sometimes they wait clean until February to get that get the animals to come out yeah. More on the periphery. Yeah. But I did I did see a guy hunted it last year and he and a buddy they just put their packs on and they just went in and went for it and they ended up killing a nice sheep in that area because, you know, they just went hardcore. Yeah. Yep. So pretty neat pretty neat area, I understand. Yep. Um let's skip over to zone seven. So you've got a little bit of um background in the White Mountains just knowing that those that's the farthest northern um, section uh, of sheep hunting country in the state of California actually extends up near kind of the Bishop area in the northern part of the state. But three tags allocated uh, for the White Mountains. But the thing to note about the White Mountains is this is not a hunt for the faint of heart, right? I mean, no. this is a this is a seven thousand to close to thirteen thousand foot um, access just to get into sheep country. Um, so. You know, this is one that you've, I mean, mentally and physically, you've got to be prepared. Um, and, you know, I mean, when you read through some of the application, um, you know, uh, booklets that we use and, and services that we use, I mean, they kind of recommend an outfitter in that area. I mean, if you haven't done your homework, you draw the tag. Um, you know, 13,000 feet is, is, like I say, not for the weak at heart. Yeah. And once again, this is the one area that we had mentioned before that had three tags last year. It was the only place that only two of them filled, Right. So I'm sure, once again, somebody, you know, drew this tag, thought, oh, yeah, it's a sheep hunt in California, no big deal. And then when they got there, they realized, oh, my God, those sheep are living at 11,000 feet, and I got to figure out how to get there to them. The other thing to note is all of our other seasons are like December through February. That particular hunt, due to the elevation, is August 19th through September 24th. So... 
it's an earlier hunt date. But the reason that is is because, of course, you know, you can't you get, get up to, there it, in, in the, December. In the winter, there's yeah, there's five foot of snow up there, right? Yeah. I mean, and those sheep disperse and go out all all over the place. Well, so you, you've got to be close to even some rut action during those dates. You would think um, with those sheep in the August September time frame, wouldn't you? I I just don't know. I mean, yeah. the, you know, I mean, it just depends. Elevation changes sure. with things like that, and I mean that. But like you said, I think the reality on that particular sheep hunt is, oh my gosh, guys, you know, you need to be. You need to be somebody like Lucas that's in friggin' great shape and can mm-hmm. climb a mountain and pack stuff off there if you want to go for a hunt like that. Well, when I draw that tag, I'll, I'll drag you up there with I, me. I'm going. I may be the <laughs> slowest guy in the group, but I'm going. I don't yeah. care what anybody You'll says. You'll get there. And I think the, the last unit to discuss is, is Zone 9, which is the 509 Katy Mountains. This unit has the highest tag quota of any unit in the state of California. Keep in mind, it's got one of the highest applications, too. Around 2,000 applications go in. But they allocate four tags um, for the Katy Mountains, uh, which is the Zone 9. And I don't know a lot about that unit, but just looking at um, one of our application services, you know, they're saying that a 173-inch ram was taken in, in, in the last season. That's a great ram. The other three rams range in about 140 to 160 range. So still there's 160 potential in in that unit. You know, it's really it's really hard for me because of course being a maximum point holder, I look at those four tags and go, okay, three go to the maximum Max, point pool. Yeah. So mentally I think, man, that's a that's really one kind of like the marble clippers, those are the two areas that I think I probably should apply there. But then I also look at, you know, the Orocopias and Grand Gregorios, uh, you know, and look at those going Man, but those probably will hold some better sheep. I was told that uh, that that zone nine, you know, it has it has a lot of sheep in it. Mm-hmm. And once again, we go back to the management of these animals is is very conservative. Um, you know, the last couple of years we've had good moisture, so hopefully that equates to good horn growth. And you know, I mean, really with that, we're looking at higher lamb being born yeah and with all those things you know we're potentially we could have some some great sheep but i will warn everybody california has a horrible mountain lion problem you know and we talk about that all the time where you know you get a mountain lion that decides that he likes sheep hunting and boy they can decimate a a herd pretty easily they kill all the old ones and the young ones out of the herd and that's that's really difficult on us but right now you know, applying for a place that has four tags in each, that's probably pretty high. Or if you wanted to just, you know, shoot for the moon and go for one of the bigger ones, you know, I I think for myself, I'm going to probably put my kids in for that 504 mm-hmm. just because there's one tag. I think yeah. it's, a random, unit in the it's, state. it's a random shot, so they're going to have just as easy of a chance at it as me if I put in and I had all of the points that I have. Yeah. So... And just kind of one other insider note um, about, you know, sheep hunting in California. Let's say you don't want to go into the general draw. You can actually apply for um, the $5.97 fundraise sheep tags. You don't have to buy a license. You could buy 100 bucks worth of them, okay? $160 worth of them if you wanted to. If you wanted to, kind of like you do. Um, and then, but if you draw the tag, you got to buy, you got to buy the hunting license, the $164 license, but the you don't have to buy 
the actual license when you're actually applying for the fundraising tag. So if you're someone like, hey, I don't want to get in the draw, but hey, I want a shot at a sheep tag in California, that's another option for you to do. And I mean, looking at that same mentality, um, I talked to a couple of my friends that are out of California. One really wants a tule elk, and that's basically what I told him. I said, look, 170 bucks for a license if you want to apply. Long odds, right? I said, you don't have a sheep tag yet? So what I suggested to him is he buys $80 worth of fundraising tags Mm. for a Thule elk and $80 worth of fundraising tags for the sheep. Same cost that he would have had to buy a hunting license in California and gives him quite a few chances at one, one species and the other species. So I don't know, you know, I mean, people got to weigh that. What do you really want to do, you know? A lot of people don't like gambling. Yeah. You know, they'd rather buy a license. If you think that you might come to California and maybe do a hog hunt or a bear hunt or an over-the-counter blacktail deer hunt, then by all means, buy your license, apply, and have some fun. But if you're thinking you're not coming to California to do that, man, you might want to think about that other angle of trying to win that raffle tag. You could spend the same amount of money. Get yourself in those draws. Yep. So, so just looking at the the actual tag fees. So for residents, four hundred eight dollars, and non residents is fifteen hundred dollars for the non resident bighorn sheep tag. So again, um, much less than a lot of other states in the West. You know, and in in price probably pretty fairly. Um, but I think overall, you know, I, th- I think for us, obviously being residents, we're, we're, we're vying for one of those tags, non-resident, you've got a couple options, but, uh, fairly limited. One last thing, um, if you actually do successfully draw, um, a sheep tag in California, there's a mandatory orientation you have to go through. And from what I understand, it's, here's a do, here's a Ram, here's a legal Ram. It, it's, it's very fundamental, but I'll tell well, you, every year it seems like people go and shoot llamas in the state of California and think they're Thule elk, so. <laughs> okay, I'm not going into that one. Yeah. I hadn't heard that good one before, but I thought you were going to tell them if you draw and you got the information from R&A that they were required to call you and let you come on the hunt with them. Well, we can we can work that angle, too. You know, yeah. I mean, hey, we're here to have some fun just like everybody else. Now watch, you'll get three or four guys that say, hey, Buddy, you're you're my new best friend. Exactly. You're gonna be my guide on this. I'm I just like, oh, drew. Boy. I just drew an Oracopia tag. I want to okay. go. I want to go, man. Sign me up. So, so. next on our list uh, is elk. So, looking at California um, as a state for elk, the beauty of this state is is that you have the ability um, to hunt any species of elk that you want. Now. You know, the Roosevelt's and the Rocky Mountains specifically sit in the northern part of the state. Um, And as you know, you know, parts of Oregon and, you know, obviously the bordering parts of Nevada and Idaho provide Rocky Mountains. But Thule elk is the treasured elk in the state of California because this is the only state um, that you can successfully hunt Thule elk in. And majority of the Thule elk sit uh, in the central portions of the state when you kind of break down the different units. There's actually 23 units, uh, elk units, in the state of California. 
Uh, and when you look at uh, the locations of, of the, kind of the elk map where the Thule elk sit, they, they basically sit anywhere from um, the central region, which includes, you know, the Santa Clara, the San Luis Reservoir, which you have quite a bit of experience in, La Panza and Fort Hunter Liggett, which is kind of in our region. And then as you go directly east, uh, you've got the inland desert units, which are basically all your Owens Valley hunts that go from Bishop, Independence, Goodale, uh, and, and into actually Lone Pine. Uh, in the Whitney unit. So, um, but the cool thing about Thule elk are, uh, you know, specifically uh, in the state of California is, is they have a high price tag to them. You know, oh, and yeah. if you, if you're a guy that wants to, to complete that slam of elk and you will probably never likely draw one, you're going to pay a heck of a lot of money uh, for <laughs> one of those, those, those lottery tags. I'm guessing now they're going in the range of twenty to thirty thousand dollars to shoot an elk now. And every once in a while, you hear of some some guy that ends up with an extra private land management that maybe drops down into the fifteen ish range. But for most of us guys, that's just totally out of sight, you yeah. know. Because yeah, like you said, twenty twenty to twenty five is a number that I've heard thrown away around quite a bit. And um, you know, now that's that's a fully guided. You know, usually have a place for you to stay. You're going to be hunting on a private ranch. You're going to be the only one probably hunting them. Sure. But once again, that's, I mean, I just can't do that. No, you know? no, I'd rather go doll sheep hunting. Well, you know, we'd rather do a lot of things, but yeah. uh, it, it falls into that category. But, you know, hey, I was one of those lucky guys that threw their name in a hat and, and actually drew one of these tags. And they are a really cool animal. The one thing I, I got to tell everybody is you're going to be fooled by their horns. Because their body size is, you know, four to six hundred pounds. You're used to seeing an elk that's maybe seven hundred pounds, eight hundred pounds, and then you look at the horns and you're thinking, "Holy cow, that's either really big or really small." Well, you got to put that all into perspective when you're talking about a tule. A lot of times, their body is so much smaller than the elk that you're used to hunting that you get you get a little little confused on on the animal size and some of these bulls have phenomenal horns but the downside with some of these bulls having phenomenal horns they are a mean animal yeah they love to fight and some of these hunts you know you and i talked about this earlier some of these hunts you know november october december some of those hunts when you find those bulls they're going to look like a Christmas tree that's been stripped. Yeah, they're broke off. And uh, on my particular hunt that I went on, one of the bulls that I really had had listed as one of my top three that I wanted to shoot was a 9 by 7 And uh, about three days before the season, he got in a fight with another bull that was actually quite a bit smaller than him. And uh, he busted off a bunch of points. And then on opening day, he walked out in front of me at about 180 yards and he was a six by five. I mean, he looked like the whole top end was gone. And my mm. brother-in-law was like, well, we got pictures of him, what he looked like. We could just have the taxidermist put those back on. I mean, it was like, <laughs> it was a slam dunk opening morning. I mean, he was standing right in front of us. Yeah. But I just, I could not it's make not myself same. shoot him. I mean, he just, I I still have video footage of him, but uh, it's just, just not the same. Yeah. So one of the things that's new for 2017 um, for for hunting, specifically Thule elk, is they've actually added an, an additional zone. And basically what they've done is they've split two zones. So you actually had um, the Independence and Owens Valley zone, uh, which was what was considered the west of 395. 
um, unit. What they've done is they've actually split the two units. So they've split both the Independence and the Owens Valley into two different zones. So everything west of 395, which we're somewhat familiar with considering we were yep. sitting glass in those elk are, are in the actual what's called the Goodale unit and then anything east of 395 falls into the independence uh, unit which is kind of that um you know the where the creek bottom is towards the bottom uh you know the, a lot of that water flows um to the uh to the to the geyser i think it's crystal, crystal, crystal geyser, geyser water, yeah. yeah so anyway that's one of the new things um, that came into play in 2017 um, for elk specifically. So uh, something else interesting uh, is last year, um, I think it was second on the list. They were thought uh, it was close to the new world record was shot. Uh, and it was actually shot in the Eastern Sierras uh, in, I believe, in the one of the Owens Valley units. And it was a 377-inch Thule elk that Mossback had taken um, sometime uh, in the in the fall of last year. So I think I think the world record's like 379, and this thing was like right at 377. So just a toad, uh, Thule elk was taken uh, last year out yeah, of that I, unit. So I saw I saw a picture of that in one of one of our publications that we were looking at. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic bull, and we actually a good friend of ours actually was on that bull um, with another hunter the year before. Um, but she was she was unable to uh, close the deal on mm-hmm. that, and then the elk made it through the season. And surprise, surprise, um, Doyle was able to uh, get a hunter on that, and it was yeah. that was a phenomenal animal. And you know, I mean, normally speaking, um, there's some great animals in the Owens Valley, but inherently, the Grizzly Island elk tag has always been considered yep. one of the very premium because it's actually. You know, it's a it's a reserve basically. Yeah. That's where a lot of the elk transplants came from, and so you know, like when you look at some of these other hunts, when you look at the Grizzly Island hunt, you know, I mean, you look at okay, the Grizzly Island bull elk hunt. There's three tags. Well, surprise, surprise, twenty seven hundred and thirty six people applied for those three tags. And how many maximum point holders? Uh, I think probably <laughs> six hundred. Everybody. Yeah, so six hundred max point holders apply for. Those three tags have over 2,700 applicants. Which, that's that's in the general method. Uh, and then there's the period two tag where there's 838. The problem with that tag is, is it's later in the season and you have that same fear like you had where you had a 9 by 7 you were scoping out and then he's a, you know, a non-typical 4 by 7 now because yeah. he was broke off. And, and the other side of that too is you had somebody else that was able to hunt him you know, just, just a week and a half earlier. So they, of course are most likely just like the rest of us they're going to shoot the bigger ones and you're going to get but you know i mean you have to balance that with well would you like to have one you know because the odds of getting one at drawing at 838 to two is much better than 2700 to three yeah right yeah so i mean i know a lot of guys that are not from california that are just like they'd shoot you know a raghorn because they need it to complete their their slam of elk. And, you know, if they could get a good deal on, on a smaller bull, they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, the bull that I killed was actually in the San Luis Reservoir. It's a lot of private, but they had one public piece. And um, now that area has gone all archery. And what's funny is when I was doing it, you could use a shotgun on it. So I killed mine with a shotgun. But what's hilarious about it is the odds were actually better when I was doing it and it, you were able to hunt them with a bow or a shotgun 
And now the odds have gotten worse when it's gone to basically all archery. It's like all the archery guys are like, oh, it's only archery now. Well, now the odds have the gotten odds worse. Swing, yeah. it, it doesn't make any sense unless you have access to private property around there, which, you know, that's a big problem around here. Mm-hmm. The La Panza hunt is one that you and I have talked about because that's right in our backyard. There's a lot of elk around here, a lot of elk around here. Yeah, but and there is no proposed archery tag this year yeah. for La Panza, so it's all in the general general draw for for rifle which is which is a bummer because you know i mean ideally the best time to hunt these elk would be during the rut yeah you know that would be the absolute best time when they're just getting into the fighting so you'd hopefully be able to to get them before they get too trashed yeah. but i know that you know the hunt that i went on it actually started right after the rut and i mean it was just it was insane looking at some of the elk i mean there was another big bull that actually was harvested harvested the following year that ended up scoring like almost 340 inches. And the year before, he got in a fight with another friend of mine, Craig's bull, and it busted off the whole top end. I mean, literally, it went from a 340-inch bull to a three-point on one side mm-hmm. And a seven point on the other side. I mean, you know, you look at a bull that should have been 340 inches and you take, you know, 50% of him off. Yeah. Oh, it's it's insane. Yeah. So kind of breaking down the proposed 2017 hunts, you know, one of the cool things about California is, is they do have, um, you know, the junior, the apprentice hunt. So, you know, kids under 18 years old have the ability for the most part, to shoot, um, you know, an antlerless or a spike uh, bull. There are a few units that at, do provide um, the either sex tags, but um, you know, for most of the units, Grizzly Island's one of them. And La Panza, you know, they're offering anywhere from you know three to four tags. Season dates are are pretty good, and hunter success rate is you know it's relatively really high. And the odds, I mean, in some of them, like the you know for a cow tag in the La Panza, um, it's about one in a hundred to draw that tag, which. When you break it down, okay, not great odds, but when you're looking at it from our standpoint, trying to draw the the Panzer rifle tag, you know, it's pretty good yeah, odds. Yeah, those are those are phenomenal odds. Well, and actually, even even you know, like I said, there's a lot of people that's willing to shoot a a spike bull that's that's a tule elk just to say that they've got mm-hmm. one, right? I mean, some of those odds are are actually really good too. I mean, we're talking, you know, they're it's a better chance to shoot a spike bull uh, on a regular season over here, uh, you know, Grizzly Island period four. It's 90, 92 applicants, two tags. So yeah. it's less than a one in 50 chance. That's not bad. Where, where what's funny is then you go over here to the youth uh, antlerless and it's 218 youth applied for, for, for two antlerless tags. You're yeah. like, okay, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah. why period. you would put your kid in for that when it's a better draw odds on one of these others yeah. for the same same results and yeah. let me tell you they are fantastic eating fantastic eating animal yeah kind of looking at the archery so there's there's uh four actually five different hunts two of which are on um one of the uh, military bases here on the coast but um you know success rates um you know are for the most part are are, are pretty decent i mean you know in the owens valley you've got a hundred percent success rate and then um, for the military bases, they actually didn't have hunts there last year based on um, a controlled hunt where 
someone went in and actually shot a wild pig on a controlled area where they were um, doing military training and they actually shut down all elk hunting in 2016 um, at the Fort Hunter Liggett um, um, Army Base. So, um, you know, looking at those archery tags, um, you know, those are kind of ones that you kind of look at and say, hmm, dates are July 26th to August 3rd. Again, it's a small window to hunt elk, but it's right in and around the beginning of that rut phase. So if there are any good bulls in there, um, you know, that t- that starts to, to look like a pretty good tag if you're an archery hunter. Um, yeah, I, I really I really like that. I wish it was, you know, a week and a half, two weeks later, um, because the the rut really around here is is mid August is yeah. mid August. Uh, the downside with that hunt, geez, it's going to be hotter and blue blazes. Yeah. You know, you're talking Arizona roasting. You know, ninety degrees at nine p.m. type of type of hunting conditions. If you shoot one, you're going to have to be right on it so she doesn't it doesn't spoil. The other side is just like you mentioned. You're gonna if you catch a little bit of the rut, you'll be able to hopefully talk to them a little bit. Um, but most likely they won't be, they won't be busted up. So that could be a good opportunity, you know, but there's the other hunt, of course, the other archery hunt that's listed is a November 21 to 29. I don't know. You know, you, you were talking that you were thinking about putting in for that. I'm like, dude, that is, that's going to be a hard hunt. They're not going to talk at all. You're going to have to, you're going to have to spot and stock and you're going to have to literally walk right into their bedroom. And those Tule elk, they're goofy animals, guys, just so you don't know. If you don't know, I literally, I was used to elk and elk and in the mountains, and, you know, so I get out there, and I'm glass and glass and glass, and all of a sudden, I turn around. Right out in the middle of a friggin' field is the whole herd of Tule elk, and then they stay out there all friggin' day long. You're like, it's 90 degrees, and they're standing out in the middle of the sun, and it, they just, they're a different species. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't think a lot like regular elk do, and but they do have to water. So depending on where the water is, and depending on the paths and the trails, you know you can you could pattern them, sure, and you could catch them coming and going, yeah. And that's that's your advantage. Well, the beauty for us, it's a forty-five minute drive, and we can scout, and there's some things we can do to you know to maybe try to get a pattern on one of those animals what he's talking about is me walking behind him with a montana decoy pretending like i'm really a cute looking cow elk trying to get the boy to come over and play is what he's talking about yeah either the the heads up or the rump roast one i think you'll be (laughs) holding that one um in addition just some other um opportunities for elk there is muzzleloader tags um which actually for the for for a few of the hunts um, aren't too bad. The only problem is again we're getting into these season dates that are late in the year, where again you're you're kind of feeding through elk that have been through the rut and and broken off and and struggle to find probably a you know a, a quality bull that you're looking for. Um, as you get to the northern part of the state, we start breaking into you know the Roosevelt elk, um, you know the northwestern parts of the state, uh, the Marble Mountain units, the northwestern California units, Mendocino, all of those units you know hold Roosevelt elk. You know the kind of the way I look at it is if you're going to apply for elk, you need to apply for Thule because you can likely shoot a Roosevelt elk if you want to go to Washington, Oregon. You can a lot of times get those tags with a few points over on the, the counter. Over the counter. And clearly Rocky Mountain, we've all punched one of those tags. So, you know, the, the ability is there to shoot a Roosevelt or a Rocky, but I mean, you know, let's be let's be honest, you know, the likelihood of drawing two elk tags in the state of California in your lifetime is, is, is pretty slim. So if you're gonna do it, 
you might as well be applying for the Thule Elk tag um, to put to punch that tag. Now, I will throw this out there. Um, you know, I grew up right on the Oregon-California border on the coast. It's basically, you know, 30 years ago, I was literally driving up, riding a motorcycle in the hills there, and surprise, surprise, there was elk. Didn't have a tag available at that time, but they had introduced them. The Roosevelts have done fantastic there. What it's turned into, though, is it's kind of turned into very similar hunt processes as down here for the Thule. If you want to shoot a big Roosevelt, they're all on private property, and getting access to them costs you money. Now, there are a few places that do uh, raffle tags. They're called the share tags. And actually, last year, a gentleman that I met through a friend was lucky enough to get one of those share tags. And for those people that read Successful Hunter, uh, my brother was actually the guy that took what we call Hunter Dan on his hunt and was able to help him um, successfully kill a really nice um, book, Roosevelt Elk. So we have some fantastic Roosevelt elk hunting. Once again, it's kind of the opposite of the Thule. When you look at a Roosevelt elk, you go, man, those horns are so small. But when you get them on the ground, you realize... I need like five of my buddies here to pack this thing out. That's like a 900 to 1,100-pound bull. And you're thinking thoughts like, whoa. And unlike the Roosevelt, does not break all his horns off. I mean, he grows those funky crowns just like the Thule does. But he is just an absolute brute. And so, you know, I keep dreaming about now drawing a Northwest, you know, California Roosevelt bull tag because that's literally where I grew up as a kid and my family still lives up there. But like Lucas said, if you're looking, if you're that guy that wants to kill a Roosevelt, you can go to Oregon, buy an over-the-counter tag. I mean, if you really wanted to, you can find a guide for, you know, 3000 bucks. buy an over-the-counter tag. Landowner are you tag gonna, or something. Are you going to yeah. get it the first time out? Probably not. But, you know, I mean, that's a doable hunt somewhere reasonable where you just can't do that on a Thule. So that yeah. Thule tag is is really what California is all about. Yeah. And I, I think to kind of sum it up, I mean, if you're a non-resident, you know, you're limited to one total elk tag drop per year, right? I mean, yeah. which is just, I mean, <laughs> if you're a non-resident, unless you're applying for sheep already, you should apply for elk. I mean, what the heck? But realistically, um, you know, it, it's tough for a non-resident, you know, to draw an elk tag in the state of California. And, you know, it, if, you, and if you're someone who could get a landowner tag or, or you know, look at uh, potentially spending that type of money, then, you know, you could punch that tag, but it's going to cost you a lot of money to do that. And, and the silly part is, you know, going down into the Rocky Mountain, I mean, everybody's like, well, why would you ever apply in California for a Rocky Mountain? Well, because almost every year they shoot a 390 yeah, to 400 inch bull out of that northeast california bull unit you know and there's only the what it is is back again to that same thing california is very conservative i think california when it comes to elk is stupid conservative right now we are seeing you know like like lucas like you said what you had 60 bulls out in a field and we're not talking elk we're talking bulls 60 bulls out in a field and they're going to give five tags this year okay that means if we got 60 bulls out there, we got at least 200 cows, okay? It's insane. I mean, and let's do the math, you know? Okay, every cow has one calf, okay? Half of them get eight by mountain lions. So you're still looking at every year an yeah. increase of 100 elk. 
I mean, it's and it's going to only be like I said. I think yeah. we're at that that bubble right now. We're in the next ten years. California is going to have a super Some good opportunities. Crazy, I think for those people that are thinking ten years down the road. You're going to have some opportunities in California to shoot Roosevelt's and Thule's and maybe even, you know, big Rocky Mountain elk because we're going to have more elk than we know what to do with. Yep. Okay, good. So, uh, you know, that kind of helps give some of our listeners perspective on elk. I mean, clearly, like I said, if you're a non-resident, unless you're applying for sheep, probably not the best option. But if you're a resident you got to apply for some of these units. I mean, there's just some great opportunities for Thule elk and, and, uh, you know, the, the, the rain that we've had this year is going to make for some excellent antler growth. So I think this is a year that you really want to focus on if you have the points to try to draw uh, one of those Thule tags. Hey everyone. This is Lucas Pa, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, go to Podcasts app on your device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it'll automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or just use our website www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Instagram at Rod N Arrow Outdoors, and Facebook, RNA Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Keep up the good fight. We cannot sit by and watch the public lands devoted to wildlife protection wither away. There's simply too much at stake. Make your voice heard, speak up, get involved with conservation efforts, and know that every little bit helps. As we say on the mountain, see you guys on the next ridge. <laughs>